You're listening to the Fertility Academy podcast, episode 13. Today, I'm talking with Amira Posner about mindfulness and mental health during fertility challenges. Amira has experience with infertility and IVF herself, and we get into that in today's episode. You don't want to miss it, so stay tuned. Welcome to Fertility Academy, a podcast where we provide you with information and tools to help you optimize your fertility to grow your family no matter where you are in your fertility journey. We offer interesting, creative, and evidence-based information and give you practical tools to help you get closer to your goal of building a family. I'm your host, Michelle Kapler. I'm a fertility-focused acupuncturist and Chinese medicine practitioner, board-certified fertility specialist and fertility coach with over 10 years of experience helping my patients build their families. I'm so glad you're here with us. Let's get on with the episode. Hello and welcome to Fertility Academy. I'm Michelle Kapler. Today, I'm going to be talking with Amira Posner, a therapist and social worker with an exclusive focus in the area of fertility and infertility challenges. Amira and I have known each other professionally for years, and I refer local patients to her all the time. They always have amazing feedback about her programs and offerings. Today, we're going to talk about her mind-body fertility group, what type of techniques she recommends to her clients for mental health support and resilience, her own journey with secondary infertility and IVF, stress and how it relates to fertility, relating to your partner when going through fertility challenges, and so much more. But before I jump into the episode, I want to tell you about Amira's professional bio. Amira and her husband experienced secondary infertility. After several failed intrauterine inseminations, or IUI, Amira conceived her twins through IVF. It was her own personal experience with infertility that was the catalyst for healinginfertility.ca. Amira is a therapist with a private practice in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, and she has both a bachelor and master's degree in social work from the University of Manitoba. She works with individuals and couples who are struggling with infertility. Amira developed and now facilitates the Mind-Body Fertility Group and co-facilitates the online Mindfulness Fertility Series. In addition to working with individuals, couples, and families, providing therapy in a secure and safe setting, Amira is a member of the Ontario Association of Social Workers and the Ontario College of Social Workers and Social Service Workers. Amir is a certified hypnotherapist and Reiki practitioner. She's also the mother of three miracles. She supports couples worldwide. So without further delay, let's play that interview. So welcome, Amira. Thank you so much for being on the podcast with us today. Thank you so much, Michelle, for having me. It's so nice to be here and talk to you. For sure. Um, I was uh, saying a little bit earlier in the introduction that we've, you know, known and known of each other for a number of years just through the work that we do and both being local to Toronto. But I think this is the first time we've actually spoken to each other. So it feels like this really lovely, nice experience to get to talk to you. Yeah, it totally is. I feel like I've known you forever. Agreed. Um, (laughs) I send people to you on a regular basis and they always come back to me and say such lovely things about you and it's we live in such an interesting time right now where you can really know a lot about a person without ever speaking to them for better for worse but I think in this case it's really lovely to get to know you on another level yeah totally thank you so before we jump into our interview today I've already told the audience a little bit about you by reading your bio, but if you could just tell us about yourself and how you got into the work that you do and what it is that you do, that would be great. 
Okay, great. So I'm a therapist in Toronto and I, I have my master's in social work and I have been in the counseling field for over 20 years in different areas. But 11 years ago, my husband and I, we went through a journey with secondary infertility. So that was very difficult. Um, we had conceived our daughter really without no issue. And it was a year later, she was one. And we were trying for number two. And that's when we came across some issues. And we went through fertility treatment. And and we were successful in the end. And I conceived twins. And I know I just shortened the story. <laughs> and it had a really great outcome. But it wasn't great going through it. Right. And it was really difficult. And that's what kind of moved my career into the direction of helping individuals and couples struggling with infertility. So I always thought if I get through this alive, this is what I want to do. Yeah. So when my twins turned two, I started running that group, the Mind Body Fertility Group. It was super grassroots. In fact, I did it out of my parents' condominium amenity room. And I had another colleague who was a social worker and we had, I think we had eight women and I could just see how beneficial it was. The woman loved coming together and talking about their journey and their, you know, pain. And we provided them with tools to help them cope better. And things just grew from there. I started running the group at one of the local hospitals in Toronto and I've continued to run the group eight years later. I do it now online because of COVID. And hopefully when we're back up and running, I can do it again in person because I love the connection with everybody. I think that that's something that as we get further and further into everything that's going on in the world, that desire for human connection is growing stronger and stronger. And I think that that's one of the beautiful things about being in a group is you can have this multifaceted human experience by being with a bunch of people that just get it or at least get it on some level. That's huge. Yeah. 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 I always say everyone's journey is different, but it's actually the emotions that we're experiencing that are very similar. For sure. And I'm looking forward to asking you more about the group specifically. But first, I'd like to talk a little bit more about your personal experience. And could you tell us a little bit more about how your personal experience shapes your work and maybe shaped your work before and maybe does now? Because it's been eight years that you've been doing this. So I'd imagine that it's changed a little bit over time. Yeah. So I just knew as I went through my own journey, I didn't feel like there was a lot of support out there emotionally. And I felt so isolated and alone. And I would remember going to the fertility clinic every morning for the monitoring. And there was just so many women and couples and everybody's head was down and it was so so depressing. And you know, I I it was so difficult to get through that period of time. And it just and when I got through it, I was like, wow, that doesn't need to be so difficult. There's things that, you know, could be done differently that could, that I only discovered really near the end of my journey. But I think, and now I'm on the other side of it. So it's really changed my perspective. And 
my work that I was doing in the initial years is much different than my work now, just because I've seen so many beautiful stories and so many ways of building families and so much resiliency. And I can use these stories to share with other women and they're abundant. Like I have stories about everything. I could do a whole session on hopeful stories that I've seen and I think over time, I've really harnessed working on different strategies to help others move through this journey. And it's just become so focused on these specific strategies that people find them really helpful and a way to sort of channel their anxiety into. And so that's kind of my approach. That makes a lot of sense. And I think that given that you've been through the experience yourself. And I think it's going through infertility can be compared to, at least experientially, can be compared to a lot of the experiences that we go through as women um, in that you don't know what it's like until you've actually experienced it yourself. So, And that can be applied to a lot of experiences that we have as women. So, you know, for example, you don't know what it's like to have PMS unless you've had PMS. You you don't know what it's like to not be able to conceive in the way that you thought you would be able, be able to conceive until you've been there. You don't know what it's like to lose a pregnancy or lose a child until you've been through that. And the list goes on and on. And so I'm sure your clients really appreciate knowing that you've experienced it and been through it yourself. Yeah, yeah, I I do believe that it it provides them hope and I can relate to them a lot differently. For sure. Can you tell us a little bit about the fertility group that you run specifically? What does it look like? Um, What types of things do you discuss? What would it look like uh, in a session and, and maybe throughout the entire program? Yeah, so actually I start one tonight, so I'm super excited. Um, and it's a big group. We have 12 women, so and it's online, and it goes for six weeks. So we will meet once a week for six weeks for 90 minutes. And each week we focus on learning a different technique. And so these techniques are all geared to helping you feel better and helping you balance yourself in different ways and regulate your emotions, self-care. So the techniques that we do are mindfulness. We do cognitive restructuring. So more like a CBT exercise where we try to work with our perspective. In one session, we focus on learning about the mind-body connection and our relaxation response. And then one session, we do fertility yoga. And then one session we do self-hypnosis. I teach them how to go deeper into their subconscious mind and to work with themselves, to to work with their, their minds and their bodies in just different ways. After so many years, it's very I can I can do it in my dreams. Of course. I feel the same way about my practice. It's uh, after 10 years of, of doing acupuncture specifically for fertility, it's like I know all the points for all the presentations and the different times in the cycle. And I can practically do it with my eyes closed. And I wouldn't because I'm using needles, obviously. Um, But I know exactly (laughs) what you mean. Um, So I want to get into some of the techniques a little bit later. But um, I wanted to ask you about what 
types of clients do you see in these sessions? Are they mostly women? Are they couples that come in? Because obviously both people, if there are two people in a fertility situation, might find the need for support. What does that look like? Yeah, so right now the group is actually for women. So I'll have women mostly. Sometimes I'll have a couple who are women, and that's always lovely. But mostly it's just women who are struggling with infertility. It could be women who are single. It could be women in a heterosexual couple. And we do talk about how it impacts relationships, and we do bring in the partner in, to some extent, I think that women find that when they start doing the techniques, they altogether feel in a better place, which then changes the dynamic between them and their partner. So, you know, I do mix primary and secondary infertility. So women coming could be one or the other. And again, I focus on everyone's journey is different. Um, interestingly enough, in, in tonight's group, I have um, a woman who's done the group before, so it's her second time around. And so that's kind of, I feel honored when that happens. And um, it's not the first time it ha it's happened. But because I've done it so many times, the group, and I can do it like the back of my hand, I've, I've sort of brought on um, another facilitator and she is a woman who actually did the group last year and went on to sort of focus her practice in fertility yoga. So, so that will be really interesting because she will have be a real asset to the group. Tonight. Of course. And and what a beautiful story of things coming full circle to have gone through it yourself and be able to go on to help others. I think that's such a wonderful evolution of things. That's great. Yeah, I love it. So what are some of the mind-body techniques that you teach people during these sessions? What are some of the, can you, I mean, obviously you're not here to teach the entire program. People will need to come and talk to you if they want to learn more, but can you give us maybe one or two tips? Yeah. So one of the big ones is mindfulness. And most people have heard of that, but if you haven't, it's really cultivating your awareness in the present moment, right? So just being more present in your life, not worrying so much about the past or thinking about the future, which is what we do most of the time. So this was, this is a huge topic and a huge way of relating to our struggle and ourselves. If we can just be more present, we experience the pain and the infertility so much differently. We're not caught in our negative thoughts and the rumination and things that aren't yet even happening. So a big part of mindfulness is acceptance as well. So just really bringing acceptance to life and what's coming and what's surrounding us, not necessarily in a way like we have to subscribe to it or like it, we may actually have a lot of difficulties accepting it. But the more we can just bring a warm welcome, the easier it will be for us. We're not going to be as tight and reject the experience. That makes a lot of sense. 
I talk sometimes, and I will preface this by saying that I'm not a therapist, but there's obviously a lot of conversations that happen in the clinical setting in the context that I practice in. And I talk to people a lot about, okay, well, what is the information that we have right now that we can use to inform our thoughts? What is the information that we work with right now? What is the knowledge that we have in this moment? Because it's all about, okay, well, it's really easy to kind of go down that hole of creating a future that we don't want to happen. And so it's, it's not easy. It's not easy to stay present and it's not easy to bring yourself back from that. Um, right. Especially after going through failed cycles and failed IVFs, you know, and but it's about, you know, getting back on the horse and cultivating beginner's mind because I try to see every single cycle is different. It's a different egg. It's a different sperm. It's a different month. It's a different environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. That's really good advice. And so I wanted to chat with you about stress and fertility. I've been to medical conferences um, and I've been to Chinese medicine and, and alternative medicine conferences, and there tends to be a different view on stress and how it affects fertility from both of those perspectives. What I see from the medical community is the research shows that stress does not directly cause infertility and that there's no causal relationship there. But as a holistic practitioner, I know that stress can negatively impact our physiology on every level. And obviously, our reproductive system is not divorced from that. And so I have a lot of people that come in and they're really, really hard on themselves um, because they feel like they're causing their situation because they're, and I'm using quote fingers, too stressed out. And that's what's causing this problem. And so what I say to them is that, no, you can give yourself a break and go easy on yourself because being stressed out does not inherently cause infertility. There's no direct causal relationship, but is it going to make your quality of life less desirable? Yeah, possibly. So we should we should work on that and also from a health and longevity perspective. But I'm wondering if you have any advice for people who are kind of struggling with that balance of feeling stressed out and then the snowball continues because as their fertility journey continues, they feel more stressed out and then they're stressed out about being stressed out. Right. I take the exact same approach as you. Like, and I think that I, I add one thing to when I hear that and they ask me about that, I say, you know what, there's women out there in third world countries under immense stress, working on their feet for hours a day and they're getting pregnant, sometimes even malnourished. Right. And I think they, we can't have them feel like it's their fault and that they're stressing themselves out. So, again, I refocus on. But don't you want to feel better? Like we have to make the most of this time. This is the segue into your pregnancy and your 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 parenthood. And so we don't know how long this is going to last and we need to be resilient to get through it. And so. We need to change our relationship to stress. We can never get rid of it. In fact, there's a psychologist. I don't know if you've heard of her. Her name's Kelly McGonigal. 
I'm not sure, but I'm yeah, going to look her up. Yeah, you'd find her really interesting. She's young and she she wrote a book called Befriending Stress. And so it's all about how like stress is actually in some way beneficial to help us move forward and we need to interpret it differently. And so I think it's a balance. It's a balance between, you know, when I say, sorry to go on a tangent, but I think it's important when I, I, one of the techniques that I teach is relaxation, right? That's really important to actually spend time physically relaxing our bodies, which helps with the relaxation response and helps with the effects of stress. And it's more of a physiological thing as opposed to in your head, right? You're not doing, and I, I, it's too much blame on them to say, you're stressing your out, yourself out too much. You're doing this. You shouldn't do this and this and this. And yet we hear that from culture and society all the time. Oh, if you just relax, you'll get pregnant or stop worrying, it'll happen or just go on vacation. It's like, mm, no, it's, it's not really how it works at all. Yeah. So I think um, I want to touch on something that you said a little bit ago um, about, you know, this being the segue into pregnancy and parenthood. And, and I often talk to people about how fertility struggles and IVF can actually be really good training for parenthood in that that uncertainty and that deep emotional connection and attachment to the process um, can really be a reflection and if not a little taste of kind of what parenthood is like you know it kind of blows you wide open to become a parent regardless of how you make the baby it just has that physiologically if physiological and mental effect on people um, at least from from my experience and what I've seen in clinic. But I'm curious as a mental health professional and as somebody who's been through IVF yourself and as somebody who regularly works with this type of, of uh, population, um, did you find that in your experience at all? Do you feel like your IVF experience maybe changed the way you parent or that look at parent the way you look at parenthood? Yeah, I think it really gave me this level of gratitude that is really hard to put into words, you know, because I, in the end of my journey, we ended up having twins and it was a lot of work and I don't ever remember feeling the work. I just felt so much gratitude and I'm still in awe and they're 10. So definitely it gave me more patience and just this level of appreciating life and you know, I know that is seems to be a common experience in some of the women that I see and carry through to, um, you know, having their their baby. And I also sometimes see a lot of postpartum. And I think what happens is you spend so much energy on trying to get pregnant and then you're pregnant and you're, you know, then you're so excited, but you're also nervous in pregnancy. And Little time is really spent on when the baby comes and what that's going to look like. So when that actually comes, it, it, it changes, you know, everything changes and combined with your hormones. And so that can be a difficult time postpartum for someone that's gone through infertility. So it can go both ways. 
For sure. And I think there's also this pressure that I've talked with other guests on the podcast about as well, where, you know, the community essentially says, well, you've been through all of this stuff to get pregnant. And then there's people out there that have been through worse and still can't get pregnant. So you should just be grateful. And it doesn't matter that you're having a hard time. You should just feel gratitude and be happy all the time. And that, that just, that's a lot of pressure and it's not reality. Yeah, people people feel all sorts of things regardless of comparing themselves to people in maybe more difficult circumstances or people that it took them longer or it was harder for them. So I think that that's, uh, it, it's so individual. It's a tough bridge to, to cross when you come to it. Right. And I think that's kind of a theme I, I have in the mind-body fertility group, just how, you know, right now in, in, in the group tonight, we're all going to meet. And right now, it, the women are struggling with infertility, right? And this is what it is right now. And, and it, you know, this is what the struggles channeled into. And there was something it was channeled into before and after pregnancy and they've built their family, there'll, there'll be other things, right? And it's always there with us, these sort of cultural markers about, you know, where we should be and how we should be living our lives. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that I'd love to hear a positive story from a client of yours. Do you have any uplifting stories that you'd like to share? My gosh, I have so many. I wouldn't know like which one to share, but there's one that I think about quite often just because it it was so miraculous. It was this woman and she did my group many, many years ago. um, And she was, she was struggling with infertility. She had both female and male factor. So they had to do IVF mostly because of the male factor, but she never responded well. So she only would make one egg. So they still had to go in and do the IVF to take out the one egg and they made the one embryo and they transferred it back and it divided into two naturally. And she had identical twin boys. That is incredible. <laughs> I know. Wow. There, I think that goes to show you that there's still just so much that we don't know about what it takes to make a baby and how nature or God or whatever your belief is, um, you know, what that role plays because there's just so much that science can't tell us yet. And there's so much that investigatory medicine and fertility medicine doesn't know yet. And there's that X factor that just comes in to play in those situations. It just gives me chills every time I hear stories like that. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I hear the, I hear these stories all the time. I have women calling and emailing and telling me, you know, they're pregnant women that at one time never thought it was ever going to happen. Mm-hmm. I think that an interesting aspect that came up for me when I was just hearing your story was um, the fact that it was male factor and female factor, but mostly male factor. And I think that it's interesting to to speak about our perspective on fertility as a culture and that all of the pressure to do all the things and make all of the changes really falls on the shoulder of the women most of the time. Yeah. And so... Do you have any advice for women who are maybe struggling with that a little bit, how they're just 
consistently showing up and doing the work both with their bodies and with their minds, but maybe their partner is less willing to do that work. Any advice for them? Yeah, I think it's so interesting because sometimes I will get a call for a session and it will be the husband calling to set up the appointment. And I think, you know, that's always remarkable and, you know, and I always make that noted. And I think they need to sort of try their best to bring them on board. Having said that, you know, our experience is different from their experience, right? So they're, I think, a bit removed from from it because it's not their bodies, but there's no reason why they can't also be a part of it. So it's not so lonely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And so if somebody is maybe just getting started on this journey, or maybe they're not just getting started, but maybe they're just getting started at considering the way they bring their mind into the process. What's one piece of advice you could give somebody that's just, you know, in the beginning stages of this kind of work? I think the idea of, you know, bringing some of the focus and energy towards the self and self-care and creating like a routine, and that doesn't have to be anything crazy. It could be five to 10 minutes of meditation a day or moving your body in a way, but dedicating some time to yourself and honoring yourself in different ways to support yourself through the process. And this can also be helpful to ground you, make you feel more calm because the more, I guess, on fight and flight and reactive and anxious we feel, the decisions that we make aren't going to be coming from the best place. And so we want to be as clear and anchored as possible. And that's not always easy to do. Yeah, I think that's a really important piece to acknowledge is that we can talk about all these techniques, but implementing them is really, really different. But I think that you know, just meeting yourself where you're at and starting small and just showing up every day. Like you said, it doesn't have to be big. It can just be really, really small, just a few minutes. And that can make a huge difference just by giving your brain and your body that little break on a regular basis can be huge. Yeah. Yeah. So Amira, if people want to connect with you, can you tell people how to touch base with you and maybe about when you're, I know you're next session is starting very, very soon, but perhaps if they want to join for future sessions, how would they find you and connect with you? Yeah. So I usually run the group once a season. So this is the winter session and the next one will be in the spring, probably April. And they can go to my website. So I'm at healinginfertility.ca and my email's there and I'm happy to speak to anyone if anyone has any questions. Wonderful. And do you offer individual sessions to people as well? Or is it the group work exclusively that you're doing? No, I actually I do. I'm, that's what I do on the other. Most of the time I have a private practice. Perfect. And yeah, I see individuals and couples. So if this conversation resonates with you, I highly recommend reaching out to Amira. Anytime I've ever sent people her way, they've come back with wonderful feedback about their experience and have said that it's made a huge difference. So I definitely encourage you to reach out to her if this uh, sounds like something that would work for you or feel good for you. 
So Amira, thank you so much for coming on the show and talking with us today. Thank you so much. It was so good to chat. Absolutely. We'll talk to you soon. So that was my interview with Amira Posner of Healing and Fertility. I thought that conversation was great, and it's really just tip of the iceberg when it comes to caring for our mental health during fertility challenges. I'll be sure to link all of her info in the show notes in case you want to connect with her. Today for me, the big takeaway was doing our best to stay present when going through challenging things. How can we stay in the moment and out of our uncertain future? Deepak Chopra says... The best use of imagination is creativity. The worst use of imagination is anxiety. I often tell people who are struggling with anxiety influenced by the imagined creation of an undesirable future, and fertility is rife with that, that finding a creative hobby or endeavor can be a really useful tool when going through fertility challenges. During your two-week wait, channel all of that imagination into something creative or pleasurable. And like Amira said, it can be something that you do for just a few minutes a day. My thing has always been cooking and baking, but others enjoy gardening, knitting, sewing, art, dance, and so many more things. I'd love to hear from you about what your creative endeavor looks like. Come on over to the Fertility Academy Community Facebook group and let's chat about it. I'll link that in the show notes as well. That's going to be it for me today. I'll be back next Wednesday with a new episode. Until then, have a great rest of the week. Thank you for joining us on Fertility Academy. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you loved our content today, please be sure to leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcasts and share it with someone who you think might find it helpful. Don't forget to subscribe to be the first to be notified of new episodes. A new one comes out every Wednesday. To keep in touch with us and to continue the conversation, you can find us over on Instagram at Fertility Academy or join us on our private Facebook group, the Fertility Academy Community, 